0: live from the Empire of Lies, the show that brings you the truth, open debate, and free speech in the Biden administration. I'm Lee Stranahan, and this is The Backstory. Hey there, Rod. How you doing today?
1: I'm doing well, Lee. Can't complain. How about yourself?
0: Doing very well. The girlfriend and I went to downtown Sioux Falls and had a nice Bit of coffee and Le- Lebanese food down there. There's a good restaurant down there. It's a very cosmopolitan place. Sue Falls says Rod, very cosmopolitan.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. There was a there was an MMA fight there uh, in September. Uh, so yeah, I missed it. Who was here? Uh, it was a promotional. You know, UFC is a promotional company. It's not a. Uh, it's not a. Uh, you know, people associated with the MMA itself but it's just a promotional company it was another promotional company called Bellator I was actually looking at tickets but the price you know the airline tickets were out of control so I didn't even bother
0: Yeah yeah sometimes it's expensive to get here because it's a small airport but you put together a great show today Rod and we're very excited we're a- introducing people today on the first hour of the show correct That's correct So from Russia from Moscow Wyatt Reed, the great Sputnik correspondent, who was almost killed at the other day. You saw that, right? A Ukrainian missile struck near his hotel, and Wyatt was almost killed. You saw that, right? Yeah, I actually just got off the phone
1: with Wyatt right now. That's why I wasn't talking to you. But yeah, yeah, I spoke with Wyatt about that. And, you know, when I saw that on the internet, that was so crazy. Like, you know, a, a minute later, and we wouldn't be talking to Wyatt, maybe. You know what I mean? So that, that's just so wild, you know. Something, uh, you know, I know it's crazy to hear, but something you only see in movies or something like that. You that where you yeah. were staying, where you were staying, just got hit with a rocket.
0: Yes, exactly right. I've seldom stayed at a hotel that was hit by a rocket myself, but you know, I tend to stay at courtyard by Marriott, so those get struck by rockets somewhat less. But Wyatt Reed will be on the show, and John Mark Dugan, the great. Course, no, Martin. no, 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 no. Mark's... 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 Marks. <laughs> okay, so we have Mark's... Mark's... Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but that's great too, because two experts on this subject about the stuff that's going on with Russia and Ukraine, because the West, there's so many lies about it. I could do a whole show just debunking the lies. Does that make sense, Rod? oh yeah for
1: sure Lee and uh, we got that clip that went viral yesterday I saw a certain post had over 2 million views of AOC getting confronted about this
0: yes and uh, they're they're on it quarter after the hour 15 after I take it correct because it's late there so that's who Mark Sloboda and Wyatt Reed on the first hour then in the second hour He was in the the newspaper today. You saw that, right? The Daily Mail. Our friend and great, you know, is he considered an honorary guest co-host? Yeah, for sure. He seems to be. That seems to be his role. Tyler Nixon. It's on, on a day when the January 6th committee is about to subpoena Trump. You saw that, right? That's the breaking news we have. Right, Rod, that the January 6th committee is about to subpoena Donald Trump. And I'm sure Totter will have a couple things to say about that. And also, the day after Alex Jones was, a jury awarded Alex Jones, I mean, they awarded the parents of the Sandy Hook shooting victims nearly $1 billion dollars that's insane I, I can't think of anyone can you think of any any one person ever getting a nearly billion dollar you know award from a jury can you think of one specifically someone who let's say killed kids I can't think of anyone the, the guy who killed the people at Parkland was not given the death penalty today and there's some irony there. I'm not in favor of the death penalty personally. It's nuts. So I'm sure we'll be talking to Tyler about the Alex jones too. And that's all coming up and your calls, 202-521-1320. I'm Lee Stranahan. This is The Backstory. I'm virtually apoplectic about the Alex Jones Award that's, you know... I forget what they call it, a fine, and you know, the judgment against Alex Jones, $985 million. Is that nuts or what?
1: Yeah, Lee, it's just crazy. Um, these these radical judges, you know, I, I know you've seen clips of uh, this judge pretty much saying you're not allowed to say you're innocent. I mean, she's ordering Alex Jones to say you're not. I mean, no matter what anyone thinks about Alex Jones, I mean, he hasn't killed anyone. He hasn't hurt anybody. But for him to be told on the on the witness stand, you're not allowed to say you're uh, you're innocent. I mean, that's all you need to know about this case.
0: I also question whether this is a defamation case. I see people on Twitter saying Alex Jones got fined because he lied. Basically, I have no reason to believe Alex Jones lied. I believe he was wrong, and I believe he's admitted he was wrong, but. Lying would imply that he knew the truth and then said something else. And have you seen any evidence, Rod, that Alex Jones knew the truth and then said something else? No, not not at all, Lee. Not at all. And that makes it a reporter making mistake. Now, some people may say it's a pretty egregious mistake. I'd say the number of things that Donald Trump was accused of are pretty, pretty egregious, too. Do you think CNN should be liable? You know, Trump is suing CNN for defamation. Do you think Trump's going to become a billionaire because of that judgment eventually? Oh, uh, no.
1: <laughs> no, but um, I would say that, uh, you know, these Moderna and Pfizer CEOs, I, I don't have the clip today, leave we'll have it tomorrow. You know, they're out here in the open talking about how much money they got and how much money they are reaping in but at the same time, saying admitting now that, oh, yeah, you know, that, that uh, COVID-19 vaccine, uh, yeah, we never said it was going to stop any uh, transmission.
0: Yeah, no, so- right. But but governments, and, and that clip, let's get that tomorrow, because there's amazing stuff going on with that. And I promised uh, Taylor Hudak would eventually have her on to talk about some of this stuff eventually. So maybe Taylor is someone to go to talk to you about that. But meanwhile— Let's get to that clip of people confronting AOC about her cowardly people who believed in AOC. And I'm telling you, don't believe in anyone who says that they're socialists. socialist. And I'm just going to say that. She was doing it not out of ideological stuff. I believe she jumped on the burning bandwagon. And I'm going to say, through hard-run experience, people should be very questioning of politicians who jump on that, oh, I'm a socialist. She, first off, Sanders is not a socialist by the definition of socialism, according to socialists. Have you ever heard Bernie Sanders talk about workers controlling the means of production? No, Lee, but I heard him say he he, he puts the uh, Democratic word in front of
1: socialists, and I've heard him say that, but, you know, whatever that means.
0: But actual socialism, like the workers controlling the means of production, he doesn't say it. So let's play that clip quickly. Play the clip. This is people confronting AOC, and it's good. The points they're making are perfectly valid, but you can feel these people's anger and disappointment at the way AOC has turned out.
2: Hit it. Congresswoman, none of this matters unless there's a nuclear war Which you voted to send arms and weapons to Ukraine Tulsi Gabbard, she's left the Democratic Party Because there are a war hawks, okay You originally voted, you ran as an outsider Yet you've been voting to start this war in Ukraine You're voting to start a third
3: nuclear war with Russia and China Why are you playing with the lives of Americans? If there's a nuclear bomb, you voted to mobilize and send money to Ukrainian Nazis. You're a coward. You're a progressive socialist. Where are you against the war mobilization? He's telling the right truth. You have done nothing. Tulsi Gabbard has shown guts where you've shown cowardice. I believed in you and you became the very thing you sought to fight against. That's what you've become. You are the establishment and you are the reason why everybody will end up in a nuclear war unless you choose to stand up right now and denounce the Democratic Party. Will you do that? Yes or no? Okay, simple. Are you going to stop nuclear war? Yes or no? There is no line because this is None of this matters if we're all dead. None of it. You know that. And let's take it up right now because this is the only thing that matters. This is the only thing that matters right now. We could be in a nuclear war at any minute, and you continue to fund it. That's what's going on. Why not right now? liar here. Nobody has hold you accountable. That's what's happening. And it is time for you to stand up and realize that what you've been saying has been lies. Let your conscience come through for once.
0: Now, by the way, I said never trust a socialist, but I take that back because I know if that were Ted Rawl or Sean Blackman or Brian Becker or someone who's an actual Socialists or communists, they would not take the position that AOC takes. Never trust some of these, you know, fly-by-night wannabe socialists, Bernie Bros, or in AOC's case, Bernie Sisters. Do you see what I'm saying, Rod? Who not to trust?
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Lee. uh the whole AOC thing was a, uh, I guess you would call it a sigh up, You know that. To- they talked about she was a, uh, a bartender at, at this bar and come to find out uh, a few years later, oh, she was a co-owner of the bar. So they, the whole image and everything is just so fake.
0: Now, what I want to say before we go to break, because we're going to go to break shortly and be joined by Wyatt Reed and Mark Zoboda in a great appearance that's going to really illuminate a lot of what's going on in the Russia-Ukraine conflict. But I want to say this. Uh, Republicans— Listen to that audio and be ashamed. Where are you standing up at your Republican representative who supported the war and saying basically the same thing? Do you agree, Rod? I think Republicans have nothing to be proud of unless they're confronting their representatives. They may like their representative, but if their representative is wrong on the war, let them know how you feel. And I want to see Republicans out there, too. Does it make sense, Rod?
1: Oh, yeah. In that clip that Ron Paul said yesterday, um, you know, we need to confront Joe Biden, and especially these Republicans who are uh, who support the war and, and uh, arming Ukraine as well.
0: And do you know what I heard yesterday? Uh, Dusty Johnson, who's a congressman, Republican congressman from South Dakota, a friend of mine saw him, and he didn't confront him, but he brought it up. And he said, would you be willing to meet with Scott Ritter? I think you're wrong on the war. Dusty, would you be willing to meet Scott Ritter? And Dusty Johnson said, yes. Think about that. How amazing would it be for a Republican Congressman to meet, to hear from Scott Ritter? I mean, also, Dusty's a a vet, and of course, Scott was a, a Marine. So uh, so let's take a short break and when we come back from Moscow, two great guests, Wyatt Reed and Mark Sabota, to make sense of what's going on in Russia and Ukraine and to point out where we think it's going as well. I'm Lee Stranhan and this is the backstory. On the backstory and on the radio on 105.5 FM AM 1390. Now we're very proud to be joined by two fantastic guests who know a lot about what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. First, Mark Zabota, a regular guest on the show, geopolitical analyst, and one of the smartest people about Russia Ukraine you're going to find. Second, Sputnik correspondent. Wyatt Reed. Hi, Mark. Hi, Wyatt. How you doing?
4: Lee, Wyatt. I'm- uh, it's great to be on uh, The Backstory. Uh, Wyatt, great to hear you again.
5: Hey, thanks so much. Happy to be with all of y'all.
0: Well, so first off, I'm going to start with you, Mark. I'm You, Wyatt, forgive me, because you've got the exciting story. And by exciting, I mean you were almost killed, right? So tell the story of the missile that missed you by 30 seconds. Take it away, Wyatt.
5: Absolutely. Well, to clarify, it was not a missile. It was a 155-millimeter artillery shell, a NATO-manufactured, NATO-based artillery shell that struck directly outside my hotel uh, about 100 meters in front of me as I was walking back into it, into the hotel, Saturday night, about uh, two hours after I arrived in Donetsk, This was kind of my uh, immediate welcoming present from the Ukrainian regime. So I basically uh, was, you know, enjoying a nice little stroll out. And uh, as I uh, had turned the corner and walking down the street, down um, Iroba Ave, I saw this massive fireball. It was like the most terrifying firework I've ever seen in my life. Uh, exploded directly in front of me. Flames and sparks shot up at least three stories high. Uh, The explosion shook the ground. Everything around me, glass shattered and rained down all around me. Uh, And I just hit the dirt and pulled out my phone and started recording. And if um, the audience is interested in taking a look at this video for themselves, you can find it on my Twitter Uh, profile. It's at Wyatt Reed 13. You can find it on my Telegram channel. Just type in Wyatt Reed and uh, you'll see exactly for yourself the immediate aftermath. You can see the smoke billowing up. You can hear the car alarms blaring all around me. You can hear me uh, cursing and being pretty, pretty petrified. Obviously, I wanted to obviously run into the hotel, but uh, that was where the Artillery strike landed about 30 meters outside the front that took out uh, shrapnel from it, took out uh, a number of windows on the hotel. Uh, The front door was also smashed apart from the revolving door was smashed apart with shrapnel as well. So I wanted to run inside, uh, but I was also concerned that uh, uh, they could hit it with a follow-up strike. You know, the Kiev regime, when they strike once, they often strike twice they wait sometimes a minute or two uh for civilians uh first responders to gather around the scene and then they try to hit them as well so i was conscious of the fact that i if i go towards the scene of this blast i could uh just as easily be killed um which i had just narrowly avoided and wanted to avoid it at all costs obviously so this was um my my first taste really well not my first taste My first taste of what the Kiev regime is capable of came a couple weeks ago when, for the crime of journalism, for coming to Crimea uh, to witness firsthand what was happening with the referendums, I was placed on the Kiev regime's official kill list. It's called Miroskorets, that means peacemaker, in Ukrainian. Dozens of journalists, uh, at least a dozen journalists who've been placed on this list have been killed, most recent being Daria Dugina in a car bomb attack in Moscow, a terrorist attack much like uh, this strike was also a terrorist attack. So that was my first kind of interaction with the Kiev regime a couple of weeks ago. This was my first physical interaction. I feel very blessed to have survived it. And I'm very happy to be uh, able to be alive and discussing this with you all today.
0: Now, much about it. Do you have any questions for Wyatt?
4: Well, i I just want to uh, – first of all, Wyatt, um, hats off to you because um, I, I have uh, – we have family, my wife and I, we have family uh, in the Donbass, and I'm, I'm well aware of what they have gone through uh, for the last eight years there. And uh, putting yourself uh, into that line of fire such that a personal target has been painted on you is uh, – you know, it's, it's an act of, of courage uh, in pursuit of the truth. And uh, it's uh, – there's not many more noble acts coming from a civilian. Um, anyway, hundreds,
0: amen, Mark. amen, Mark. Well said, and I could not agree more. And I think our audience agrees too. So, Wyatt, thank you so much for your work. And, again, you're a globe trotting correspondent for Sputnik. But I think this is the first time you face faced real imminent danger in a few years at least right? Yeah,
5: absolutely. But I mean, the sad reality is that, you know, I I wish that I didn't have to come here. I wish if the mainstream media would do their jobs, then I would never have come here at all. But I can count the number of English speaking journalists here on one hand. And so unfortunately, since they refuse to step up to bat and refuse to tell the truth, it falls to people like us to come and do it instead but uh, I'm certainly not the only person who's been on the receiving end of these kinds of strikes. In fact, I just got back. I was out in the field all day in Rubizhnia, um near Severodonetsk, um, and I got a chance to go speak with a number of civilians there. Uh, it looks like the apocalypse struck, right? It's, uh, it's um, just driving around there. You're surrounded by bombed out buildings left and right very few windows still standing pretty much anywhere. And so my day today, I, I got a chance to go, first of all, to a school there to talk with teachers to find out what it was like, um, how they were dealing with uh, the threats on their lives. Because uh, as the audience may or may not know, very recently, Alexia Restovich, who is a top advisor to Zelensky, declared basically open season on those they de- Deemed to be collaborators with Russia. And he said, quote, that um, aunts and uncles who come to these occupied territories to teach our children Russian uh, will be punished. And so they, uh, you know, I wanted to find out for myself what it was like for these people uh, who are basically braving this threat every day. Um, and they told me basically that, you know, They're going to continue teaching no matter what, no matter who threatens them. They described to me what it was like since 2014 having to work under the Kiev regime, having to teach effectively Holocaust denialism, Holocaust revisionism, having to whitewash the role of the Ukrainian nationalists, the OUN, uh, UPA. They basically had to rewrite the entire curriculum and present these people that were complicit um and actively carried out the murders of over 100,000 Jews, they had to pretend that they were on the right side of history, that they actually fought on the side of the liberators in World War II or the Great Patriotic War, as it's known here. Uh, nothing could be further from the truth. And so many of them said they felt so much freer now. They had much more freedom of speech, much more freedom of expression since uh, operations began in uh, February. And since these territories have been taken back by Russian forces, and after that, uh, we went to another school in Ravizna, and uh, that had been the site where uh, ballots had been collected during the referendums at the end of last month. And on the last day of the referendums, that school was torn apart by six HIMARS missiles, six U.S.-manufactured HIMARS missiles. So I got a chance to walk through the rubble of what was once a center of education, uh, not the latest sort of casualty in the Kiev regime's war on education, and in doing so, I talked to local civilians. I spoke with a woman who explained to me that, uh, you know, I asked her how did she feel, she, uh, who was responsible. She said, well, obviously it was the, the Nazis who did this, the Ukrainians, she meant. And I asked her how she felt about the referendum when, when it had been taking place. And she said it was a wonderful thing, that it was a long time coming. I asked her, you know, in the West, we hear that people like you, are uh, being forced to vote at gunpoint by Russian Federation forces. She laughed. She said it was absurd, and of course not. And then I spoke to a woman next to her, a 68 year old woman, the only woman left in the apartment across the way. She had also been on the receiving end of a Mars missile that totally devastated her apartment building. She was the only one left living there. We got to, to walk inside her apartment and see how she's attempting to live. I want to call it living, but it's not living. Uh, Her apartment is totally devastated. Most of her personal belongings were destroyed. Uh, Many of her clothes were stolen by the Ukrainian forces when they were in the area. God only knows for what purpose. Um, And she she needed help desperately. She because she had lost her passport, she was having difficulty getting access to humanitarian aid. And she broke down in tears, describing sort of the hell that that these Kiev regime forces had turned her life into and so we it kind of ended it stopped being like a a documenting this experience and we became active participants in what was happening we said we have to go help this woman so we went down to the humanitarian aid office we got what we could for her she said she needed some bread she needed some water um she wanted some cigarettes so we got what we could for her and we attempted to uh, explain the situation to the volunteers there and, uh, came back and brought her some of these supplies. And we asked her just kind of what it was like living there. She said, well, I don't have contact with my children now. I don't have phone service. Um, and now I just look at the wall at the pictures of my children. And I ask them look, you know, to look down and see what my life has become. And it was heartbreaking. I spent about an hour in the car ride back, just kind of crying because it's just is something that you really can't Express how powerless you feel in a situation like this and we asked her, you know What do you feel about you know the people who did this well? She said it was first of all she described them as these cursed fascists who've done this to me and then we asked her How does she feel about um, you know Americans knowing that? American uh, Missiles were what uh, basically did this and turned her life into this hell Um, And she said well, they must have no heart. They must just be beasts and, you know, I I was blown away. And on some level, I wanted to say, well, you know, I, I have a heart. But to me, it's it's how can you explain that to somebody who has lived firsthand the experiences of the U.S. foreign policy and whose life has just been turned into absolute ruins? Her home has been turned into ruins. You know, I, I couldn't say anything. I wish that I could have. I wish that I could have said, you know, there are more of us that are that are going to stand up and, and, and stand up for the. truth and i really hope that one day i would be able to tell her something like that for now all i can do is just hope that she's able to survive this winter and she's able to survive what's been done to her by our government and supposedly in the name of freedom and democracy
4: hey um i want to jump back there to uh the uh artillery shell that that landed that that uh was targeting wyatt's hotel um that a 155-millimeter NATO standard round cannot be fired from any of the artillery systems that Ukraine started this conflict with, which means it is almost certainly a, a, a U.S. M777 howitzer firing a, a, almost certainly a U.S.-supplied shell. And the Kiev regime forces have been shelling Donetsk for over nine years Right. Since they seized power in Kiev in 2014, overthrew the last legitimate democratically elected government in the country, uh, took over with full U.S. support and and no small degree of orchestration, um, and then almost immediately began trying to subjugate the rest of the country. To this uh, seizure of power in Kiev, which which when the people there met the tanks and APCs with with their bodies in protest, they quickly started shelling them in response. Um, This is not a random artillery shelling. They have been shelling Donetsk for nine years. They have it down to a science. They know exactly what and who they are hitting when they do so, and they do it on a daily basis. They were specifically targeting Wyatt and the other journalists and observers in that hotel who are trying to tell the story of what the people of the Donbass, of you know, Donetsk there in particular, but the entire region have been going through for the last nine years and are going through today because they don't want you to know that story. So they specifically targeted Wyatt and everyone else who lived there. It was not a random it's – not, it's not some random shelling. It was a specific targeting, and the fact that Wyatt has even been placed on this uh, official Kiev regime kill list – Hosted on NATO servers, without a word of criticism or opposition from Western governments, that the regime that they support has such a thing. They won't even talk about it or acknowledge it. But they they, they it, it Anyone can go and see it online. It—it—it exists. So it's—it's truly an awful thing, um, and. But-
5: any, anyone can go see it. I don't recommend you do, because when you open this website, you're immediately greeted with the most gruesome photos of just mutilated corpses of people deemed to be Russian collaborators. Uh, and that's what the message is, is if you do not shut up, if you tell the truth, if you say what's on your mind, if you say what's actually happening on the ground, you are next. And this is a message that I received on an intellectual level when it happened. And now I feel it in my bones. I know they want to kill me. I know it. And, uh, you know, you can call me a Russian propagandist. You can call me whatever you want. But the fact of the matter is that what Russia is saying about Ukraine is not propaganda. What Russia has been saying about this attempt to weaponize Ukraine to turn it into a NATO outpost that is, can be loaded to the teeth and armed to the teeth with NATO weapons and turned into an anti-Russia. That's not Russian propaganda. Uh, unless you think that Henry Kissinger is a Russian propagandist when in 2014, he said that to Russia, Ukraine can never just be a foreign country. He said that the West needs a policy of reconciliation. And he said that Ukraine should not join NATO Unless you think that Jack Matlock, the U.S. ambassador to the Soviet Union, who was appointed under Reagan, said that NATO expansion was the most profound strategic blunder, which would encourage a chain of events that could produce the most serious security threat since the Soviet Union collapsed. Unless you believe that Clinton's defense secretary, William Perry, who said that NATO enlargement is the cause of the rupture in relations with Russia who said that in uh, 1996, he was so opposed to it that in the strength of my conviction, I considered resigning. Unless you think CIA director Bill Burns, who said in 2008, Ukrainian entry into NATO is the brightest of all red lines for Russia. And I have yet to find anyone who views Ukraine and NATO as anything other than a direct challenge to Russian interests. Unless you think the CIA director is a Russian propagandist, there is no reason to disbelieve what russia says it's not russian propaganda to understand this point it is historical truth it is historical context and if we ever want to have a solitary chance of finding a peaceful resolution to all of this then we need to understand it instead of mocking it
4: yeah it's not just historical it's the 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 lived life of the people of east ukraine now and the, the people of of east ukraine uh, they're referred to I mean if you're at all familiar with the info war and you've been on Twitter or other you know YouTube Facebook social media and you've been subjected to the abuse or you've listened to the pronouncements of of the uh, the, the Banderite fascist battalions or the Kiev regime's officials they refer to the people of East Ukraine as as uh, with these uh, uh, racially derogative uh dismissing terms vatniks or sovak they also refer to or them orcs. as color hmm? or orcs they call them orcs orcs they call them, they call them orcs they call them colorados referring to an insect that needs to be exterminated a vermin insect or they often simply refer to them literally this is done repeatedly by kiev regime officials as subhumans as not really people, right? That is the same language that their uh, Nazi collaborating grandfathers <laughs> used to refer to all of the people that, that they were slaughtering in West Ukraine when they welcomed the, the Nazi invasion uh, of the Soviet Union with open arms. They slaughtered Jews, they slaughtered Poles, They slaughtered leftists, and above all, uh, they slaughtered other Ukrainians, right? Because that's who all of these people were, um, because they did not believe in their vision of a banderite fascist Ukraine. And the same thing is happening again today. Uh, It's happening with U.S. support, and it's not the first time, because we know without a a shadow of a doubt from a Freedom of Information Act uh, uh, request that have the CIA on the ground led an in armed insurgency of these West Ukrainian forces in the 1950s, right? Many of them having just gotten done serving in the SS. and an an attempted insurgency in the Soviet Union that helped truly kick off the Cold War and brought us to where we are today. And they're doing it again. All of this has happened before, and unfortunately, all of this will most likely happen again. Now, how much of
0: this do you think? Because I was struck by thinking about everything that happened during Russiagate and the Magnitsky Act. And Bill Browder, it seems to me a tremendous amount of this is about trying to steal Russia's energy assets. That's been going on since the fall of the Soviet Union, where people like Bill Browder were trying to buy Gazprom or Yukos. How much of this is about energy, do you think, Mark Sabato?
4: Um, I think energy is is something that, I mean, it's not a s- sole Reason that this happens, it's something that energy is intrinsically part of it. Because ultimately, it's about geopolitics, right? It is about control. And a big part of geopolitics and control is energy, right? By definition. It's not for the energy per se, right? The US has plenty of energy. What they want is control. Of the energy, which lends to geopolitical control. And the U.S. is – has always been extremely upset by the relationship uh, between Europe and uh, Russia and and before that the Soviet Union as an energy provider, right, because energy lends to influence, right, both ways. It ties the two – the consumer and the producer together in an economic and geopolitical relationship. Energy pipelines are really geopolitics in solid form, right? Because everyone needs energy. Um, and um, the U.S. has always been against Uh, The supply of energy uh, from Russia to Europe because of that of that fact of that leverage of that they wanted them uh, to buy far more expensive uh, and and energy uh, from the United States, obviously, in, in quantities that they couldn't even begin to provide. But this goes back before Nord Stream 2. It goes back before Nord Stream 1. Uh, there is was a book written about the U.S. objection to the original pipelines that still exist today, uh, uh, the oil and gas pipelines uh, from Siberia that the Soviet Union put up that run through Poland and Belarus to Europe. And there was a book written about the U.S. opposition to this and and how the, you know, their opposition to the European countries engaging in this. And it's a book. You can get it on Amazon. It's called Ally Versus Ally. And do you know who wrote this book? No. A young man recently graduated from Columbia uh, Law University by the name of Anthony J. Blinken.
0: Wow. Wow. So so Blinken has been in the middle of this basically for how long when when did the book come out
4: 1987 amazon.com ally versus oh. ally america europe and the siberian pipeline crisis crisis examines us relations with the member nations of nato explains us opposition to the siberian pipeline project and assesses european willingness to ignore us objections and the us so- just just overruled Europe saying you will never go back. You can never be allowed to go back because they, uh, to restore energy relations with Russia, no matter what happens. And we've just blown up Nord Stream 1 and 2. And uh, there has been sabotage attacks in the last few days on the Druzhba pipeline uh, 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 through uh, Poland, which brings oil to Germany and Russia has just arrested and attempts uh, to dis- – uh, saboteurs who were attempting to destroy the TurkStream pipeline, which brings gas from Russia to Turkey and then on to southern Europe as well, which is the last fully functioning uh, Russian gas pipeline to Europe. They're trying to completely, physically sever forever any uh, energy security relations between between Russia and and Europe and the the fact that Europe is basically just taking this it is a clear sign that they they are complete vassals to the United States at this point their their own options their own the um, uh, the EU foreign policy chief Burrell he just Used the exact same words yesterday that i've been using for months and he said exactly the same thing that eu prosperity for decades has been possible primarily due to cheap reliable energy provided by russia and with the unstated that now that era of prosperity is over so
0: I have a question for you, Mark, And but, but Wyatt Reed has to leave. So do you have any final statements, Wyatt? And Mark, do you have any questions for Wyatt before I ask to go?
4: Uh, I, I'm well familiar with Wyatt. I'll let you ask him.
5: Okay. My, uh, my, my final statement would basically be that everything Mark is saying is absolutely correct. Uh, this is why Anthony Blinken described the terror attack on Nord Stream, that was carried out by the U.S. government. That's obvious to anyone with more than one brain cell. Uh, he described it as a tremendous opportunity. You can go back. You can listen to Condoleezza Rice gloating uh, and and talking about the need for Europe to restructure their uh, energy and become reliant on the United States instead of Russia. This is something that you know is for their own good, more or less, is what she said. I believe in 2014, might have been 2016. Uh, but this is on the record. This is something that all these high-level you know, uh, U.S. foreign policy officials have been saying for years and are even saying openly now. Uh, all of this is about restructuring the relations of Europe and Russia, about turning Russia into a pariah, making it impossible for Europe to develop in conjunction with Russia and basically deciding that, okay, now we're going to forcibly deindustrialize Europe. Uh, we are going to do this. It's going to lead now, obviously, if you look at the news, it's leading to double-digit inflation all throughout Europe. In the Baltic states, inflation is over 20% in multiple countries now. You see these strikes the oil refinery workers in france uh these strikes have led to massive fuel shortages and queues lines all throughout the country breaking into open fights you see gas bills energy bills that are hitting four digits all throughout the continent and you see basically the destruction of the social cohesion throughout the entire continent And this is on purpose. This is not a mistake. This is an intentional goal because they are so desperate to prevent Europeans from having access to cheap Russian energy, from being able to coexist uh, with Russia, to develop alongside them, that they will do whatever it takes to make them dependent on the U.S. And obviously, from my own personal experiences, I can now tell you they will kill whoever it takes to do this. And I want to thank you again so much for having me on. And it's been great chatting with all of you. And, and thanks to you, um, Lee. Thank you, uh, Mark, for for uh, having this conversation well, with me tonight.
0: Well, Wyatt, do you mind if I do a new intro for you? If from now on, can I call you heroic Sputnik correspondent, Wyatt Reed? Is that okay?
5: You can call me whatever you want, Lee. Just don't call me late for dinner.
0: I I won't. And by the way, try to borscht. So let me say this. Wyatt, thank you so much for your work. It really is heroic. And thank you for giving voice to the voiceless people of Donbass who want their story. They want the truth told. I think that's what I've learned from every reporter who's been over there. Uh, Sonia Van Denend, uh, John, uh, John Mark Dugan. Everyone who's been over there said the people down bus want their story told. So thank you for telling it. Wyatt Reed and have a good and great night. Thank you. So there we go, Wyatt Reed. So So Mark, let me uh, ask you, do you see l- let me try to say something vaguely hopeful. I
4: think <laughs> you're talking to the wrong person. I know. I I know I knew
0: not going in, Mark. That's why I did the setup. But let me say something vaguely hopeful and ask to try to pierce the veil of cynicism. I think as much Western propaganda as there is, more people know the truth today. I heard, did you hear the guys yelling at AOC that went viral in the U.S. here? Did you see that?
4: I I did not see that.
0: There were some guys yelling at AOC. They were AOC supporters. And they're yelling about, among other things, Ukrainian Nazis. For a long time, I've been talking about Ukrainian Nazis. Not as long as you, but a long time. I could not get anybody to listen. For years, I bring up Ukrainian Nazis, and it was yawn, ho-hum, next subject now i'm seeing people i think i so my ray of hope is that i think more people than ever know the truth about ukraine and about ukraine and russia do you think that's possible mark
4: no um i with with the caveat lee your listeners out there right are more educated more intellectually investigative and curious people willing to listen to uh the alternative stories of the people of donbass and you know the other uh side of this and so of course they are not lumped into this but i'm just as soon as you said this i i i pulled up the most recent poll, uh, uh, reported in Reuters, um, uh, uh, polling on in the U.S. on the continued support uh, for uh, the Kiev regime for for Ukraine, as they call it, um, and. Um, The uh, poll showed that 73 percent of Americans uh, said that the United States should continue to support Ukraine, meaning the regime in Kiev, uh, with uh, uh, military support uh, and economic support. Uh, 73 percent, 81 percent among Democrats and 66 percent among Republicans. And and while there are doubtless a few people that are now yelling – uh, you know, truth. Uh, the, you know, at least the truth of the people of the of of Eastern Ukraine with louder voices. Um, I'm afraid that that U.S. mainstream media propaganda is uh, extremely powerful and effective.
0: Mark, yeah, okay. You were saying. Just finish up that sentence.
4: Yeah, it this the, the the brainwashing the propaganda of the mainstream media is powerful. Um and this support is up from the last such poll, right? uh uh conducted in August. So I I do not see any evidence, I mean other than anecdotal that um that uh, that more and more Americans, uh, if more and more Americans listen to your show, Lee, maybe they would.
0: Well, we're working on that, Mark. So let me say, you mentioned something there briefly. You drew a distinction. You've been doing this for a couple of years now on my show, drawing a distinction between Ukrainians and the regime, right? Sure.
4: And there are I Ukrainians think, on both sides of this decision. conflict. Explain that. Yeah, since the government was overthrown with the openly U.S.-backed push in 2014, it was presented in in the U.S. as if, oh, all Ukrainians wanted this, and you know the uh, the civil war for the last it's all it's going into its ninth year now that resulted from you know uh, the overthrow of the government there, and there are Ukrainians fighting on both sides of this conflict. There are tens of thousands of Ukrainians fighting against the regime in Kiev. The regime in Kiev is arresting uh, and disappearing thousands of collaborators. The British newspaper quoted a, 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 a Kiev regime official saying that we are killing them – like we are hunting them down and killing them like the pigs they are. A, uh, a, a local uh, military deputy for one of the areas in Kharkov that was just recaptured uh, by the Kiev regime forces. Um, he uh, was doing an interview on Ukrainian media, on Ukrainian TV with a journalist, and they were laughing how when they arrest these collaborators and for your information the kib regime definition of what is a collaborator uh is it has been expanded under their draconian laws anyone who ex- ex- expresses any pro-russian sentiment social media whatever anyone who even accepts food or medical aid humanitarian aid from a russian is a collaborator and he was saying that so many of them have disappeared on the way to the jail it just happens they just vanish they disappear they're laughing about it and the journalist is like oh what a pity what a pity that they've disappeared. And he's like, yeah, so many of them have disappeared like smoke that we'll have to do a census after to find out just how many have. It's a genocide. No, It is ethno-political no influence.
0: I'm going to ask you something. Don't take it the wrong way, but I think you'll understand what I'm talking about. I've, are you surprised you're not on the kill list? Are you so much surprised?
4: Yeah. I, 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 um, I, I'm actually a little surprised. I, I feel a little left out. Uh, certainly after everything uh, I've uh, done for the, um, uh, you know, the the last nine years in in speaking about what's been happening there. But I also have a very proactive policy on my social media, of. Very intensive blocking of trolls, Bandera bots and and whatnot to protect my my uh, account uh, and my blue check status on Twitter um, as 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 my platform. So um, I, I do, I guess, in that way, keep somewhat of of a low profile. But I despite that, I have received so many death threats uh, over the years, I stopped answering my phone. Uh, surprisingly enough, do you know where most of those death threats came from?
0: Don't say South Dakota.
4: No, not close. close. Canada. <laughs> Canada. Really? From from the Ukrainian white diaspora there. All of the, uh, all, you know, a lot of these uh, when the uh, insurgency failed and and uh, you know uh, the Soviet Union beat the Nazi collaborators. Large numbers of these West Ukrainians went to Canada and and to parts of the northern U.S. as well, which is why all over Canada and the U.S. you can actually find memorials Two Nazi collaborators, two Stefan Bandera and other members uh, of what Wyatt mentioned—the organization of Ukrainian nationalists and the Ukrainian Insurgent Army—all um, uh, over. And uh, Christia Freeland, uh, who was the uh, you know the foreign minister for Canada, uh, her father was one such person, um, and um, he was a, a propagandist running a newspaper for the Nazi occupiers in in West Ukraine, and she's quite proud of that. And she, you know, denies, of course, that he was in any way what he obviously was, which is just bizarre. uh, But um, she herself has been to OUN rallies uh, in uh, Canada, uh, the Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists, hold taking photo ops, holding up the red and black bandarite fascist flag herself uh and and uh, which and explains flag. Canada's yeah the blood and soil flag which explains canadian uh and u.s foreign policy on ukraine the 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 type of ukrainians and remember ukrainians are very divided right in many ways but particularly on the east west divide between what it means to be a ukrainian right? It's a national identity concept divide. And when that balance that fragile east-west balance internally and externally and the neutrality that they had enshrined in their constitution up till 2014 was broken with the overthrowing of the government and the civil war that has happened since ukraine is is like humpty dumpty it 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 has fallen off a wall and it will never i don't see it ever being able to be put back together again
0: so so mark we gotta go now, but thanks once again for a fantastic appearance. And once again, thank you on behalf of the audience and myself for all the great information you've provided us for so many years here on Sputnik. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Lee. and we gotta go. But have a nice have a nice night and say hi to wife and crows. Well let's take a short break and we'll come back with more on the backstory. Backstory, the show that for years, for over 500 episodes, has been bringing you the provable truth about Ukraine. I'm Lee Stranahan, and this is the Backstory. Well, Rod, I gotta say that appearance by Wyatt and Mark Sabatella was one for the record books. is absolutely one of the most fascinating appearances. I've heard on this show. What do you think, Rod?
1: Yeah, no, it was definitely uh, it was definitely crazy. I guess that's my reaction hearing what why it's been through. It just doesn't it kind of doesn't seem real. You know, we just talked about him maybe what two weeks ago that he was going out there, and then all of a sudden he's you know a minute admitted difference. I mean, he might not be here anymore. You know what I mean? It's just just not a. Uh, it's kind of hard to to digest.
0: And I really do mean hurrah because. I've been, as I say, telling the truth on radio, Sputnik, for years, but you know what I face is idiots on Twitter, not missiles, or I guess it's not a missile, it's a shell. See, I'm so stupid, I don't know the difference between a missile and a shell, really. I, I If I think about it, one, I guess, fires on its own, and one is fired out of artillery. Is that right? Do you know? Rod? Um
1: yeah, I guess a, a missile. You know, obviously I don't even want to try Lee, but um I, in my mind I think I do, but maybe uh maybe one of our, our cow our call or caller al killer might know the difference.
0: Well so so I'll just put it this way. Uh why it almost hurt my thing go boom. That's my Fetterman explanation. Ah. Thing go boom. Is that okay, Rod? that's too coherently you would have
1: to you would have to be less coherent than that
0: boom go thing there you go Boom thing teleprompter boom <laughs> boom. boom scary scary boom thing this has been a message from John Petterman who just in not know what he's talking about but we got a great show also coming up because we have Tyler Nixon joining us and we have Owl Killer as Rod said among the The people who can call in today, 202-521-1320. Let's, Rod, can you make things go boom? Say the name of the show. You're listening to the best show on the radio, The Backstory. So let's go to the phones, 202-521-1320. Hey, killer vowels, how you doing?
6: Good, and shells are cheaper, that's it.
0: Wait, wait, what's that?
6: They're just less expensive. They they both do the same as, as a missile. Rod was asking.
0: Okay, is is one self propelled and the other is fired out of artillery, or is that a difference at all?
6: Both are usually a shell is going to be fired from artillery, but both can be fired. Interesting. You're not going to drop. So- you're not going to drop a shell, but you, I mean, well, yeah, I guess you, you're kind of right, yeah. So um, they both are shot. They're they're both shot, but typically shells are come um, specifically from artillery, and they're made cheaper, and they're thinner.
0: And, Owl killer before we get to what you called about, was that a great appearance by White and Mark, or what? Yeah, that is
6: crazy. That is absolutely crazy.
0: No. And it's <laughs> one of those things that I can imagine— I didn't ask why it does, but I can imagine, have you ever had something that almost killed you, but you didn't realize it till like five minutes after it happened, and you went, wait, you know, I was in a car that rolled once, yep. and we, the, the car stopped rolling, it was a BW, what's called a Baja Bug, and I just bought it, and a friend of mine was driving over the the pass in LA, over the, the I think, Water Canyon, and it was going too fast, and I felt like saying, buddy, slow down, you're going too fast. But I was 19, and so was he. So it was one of those things where I was worried, if I said slow down, he would have sped up to spite me. Does that make sense? Have you had friends like that? Of course. Especially when... So,
6: I, yeah, that was, that's common practice.
0: So the next curve, the car rolled over on the ceiling and then it landed on on the wheels, but it had gone over 360 and we were in the car. But because we were up on Coldwater Canyon, it almost fell off a cliff. The car stopped about three feet from a cliff and it was only walking away from that accident. 10 minutes later, that was like, that could have been really bad. I looked at the car three feet from the edge of the cliff and I said, we almost died there. Did you ever have something that almost kills you, but you didn't realize it till well after, like five, ten minutes later? I'll kill her.
6: Remember the Zuzu rodeos?
0: Indeed. Yes.
6: Yeah. Remember they were notorious for tipping over. So you know, my 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 friend was driving, and three of my other friends making a right in Fort Lee, New Jersey, coming off the highway, and we completely making it right. He made it, you know, he waited. He almost missed the turn. We end up completely flipping over. And the person that, I don't know how any of us lived. The person that came to, uh, see if we were right was Lil Kim.
0: Really? Yeah. And was she, was she already famous as Lil Kim?
6: Yeah. Yeah. She, she was probably at the height of her fame. She talked about it on uh, hot nine seven. That was the, um, it's still probably the biggest, uh, radio station in New York.
0: Yeah, sure. For hip hop, well, yeah, yeah. She talked
6: about it like right after that.
0: You did not disappoint in the story department, Alec. Thanks for sharing that. Now, what'd you call about, buddy? Okay, so you see
6: what Glenn Greenwald put out about why President Trump was indicted for the second
0: time, and 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 what what did Glenn say? He had
6: they there. It's coming out in this uh, tr- this. Um, with this Russian trial or the, the Russia collusion trial, the you know Dur- Mr. Durham, uh, I do think a lot of that information was pretty uh, revealing. But uh, I just went the Glenn Greenwald uh, portion. He was indicted second time. Didn't matter what it was. It, it, this is from the CIA. This is what Glenn. This is what uh, Alex Jones covered with uh, Glenn Greenwald or about Glenn Greenwald to prevent him from pardoning Assange, to put pressure on him not to pardon Assange.
0: That's that is fascinating. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, it, it, that that's absolutely
6: that's absolutely incredible. And I you know that would have been the biggest middle finger to the uh, to the deep state would have been pardoning Assange. Um. You know, I I so I know you've been uh you were I know you were talking about Cash Patel the other day or yesterday, and you know he was talking about how the FBI tried to right to get Christopher Steele to uh to corroborate the the dossier that uh for for a million dollars he was unable to do so. They got this is how insane this is. They actually got FISA warrants. They knew like he's absolutely right. Christopher Ray, sh- you know, he he should have enough dignity to resign. But I Cash Patel said something even more interesting a few days pre- prior to that. He said Elon Musk is the biggest military contractor in the United States. And he said, oh, uh, oops, I'm not, spo- I'm not, I'm not going to get a job now. Uh, I won't get a job with him now. I'm not supposed to say that. I, I, and then what that made me do, that made me go back to there's Ted Gunderson put out 100 Illuminati um, strat- uh, strat- points of strategy. One of them was when they need a hero, we'll create a hero for them. I, I'm you know I'm having, I was on the fence with uh Elon Musk,
0: and now, by the way, I'll I'll ask a conspiracy nerd question: Is that the Barbarian Illuminati, old school Illuminati, Adam Weiss house? Yes, that Illuminati, Alcala. Yes, that
6: that that Illuminati, and okay, whether people believe in believe in it or not, it they were, it's admit, it's admitted that they were real. They are an Encyclopedia Britannica up until the 1900s. Um, There's letters from George Washington saying that they had infiltrated Masonic lodges and his goal was to root them. There's letters in the Library of Congress that they had infiltrated Masonic lodges in the United States and he d- he wanted to get rid of it. He didn't want them. And oh. Oh, let, I'm not, I don't want to stick on the Illuminati point. People can believe what they want, but that just sparked my interest. So, so. Okay. Point of I will kill her. Go
0: back sometime and let's talk about the Illuminati and the hip hop connection because you know a lot of hip hop people talk about the Illuminati. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Of course, yeah. I, I think 90- I knew. I just I'm asking for corroboration so I don't sound insane to people who don't know about it because if people just tuned in. And they had no idea what I was talking about. They'd say hip hop Illuminati, but I'm right, right, Al killer.
6: Oh, I mean they talk. They talk.
0: They, they talk. I think not.
6: So I think the majority of that is just shock value. But I will say this: um, Jay Z is out there with uh, Maria Ambromovic, okay, and that's the spirit cooker, okay. that's... Yes. it it doesn't get more. Demonic than that, and it's just an art performance, right? So, they there are people in in music in, in music industry that are into you know that shocking that that occult type of stuff. Madonna, you know, people like that. Do I think people it, that rappers that throw up a diamond like Jay Z that makes them part of the Illuminati? No, but I I heard uh, a rapper uh, Nori Norrie or Noriega saying he was given. Three doors, basically. And he said, he, when he had first put out his first uh, uh, platinum album, uh, Super Thug, he, there's an interview with him on uh, DJ Vlad, who I don't really like, but sometimes he has some good guests. And he said, I was given three doors. There was the straight door, you stay where you're on your own, young man. That's, and he said there was another door. He's like, I don't know if there was some uh, satanic uh, sacrifice stuff going on. And the other door, he's like, I'm pretty sure it, there was a homosexual door. Not, not saying there's anything wrong with that. I don't care what people do it in their personal lives, but that's what he said. And he said he chose the straight path and to be on his own. And he said, I've never been platinum since. That's pretty, I pretty much thought word for word, quote of what he said. So,
0: yeah. And, and there's a secular version of that, but I'll talk about it some other time. Al Killer. I got to go because we got brave and angry online. But any final thoughts, Al Killer? And let me ask you, what do you think of the judgment against Alex Jones for nearly a billion dollars? Do you have any quick thoughts on that, Al Killer?
6: Yeah, I mean, some of the tweets in response, like people like making comparisons. Yeah, um, I think Luke Rudowski had the best one where he said that uh, Purdue Pharma paid like $30 million in fines when they. Created an oxy when when they created for oxycotton, and they made ten billion dollars profit. Of course, you know it, it was some astronomical money. They're never going to get that money, but it, it's that is to scare everybody else on the right. And like you know, me and Brave are in agreement. They don't care what we think. It's they wait like that is going to be the approach going forward. They are going to try to bankrupt everybody, and uh, it's the process is the punishment, whether they get the money or not they're going to make your life a living hell. And that's what, you know, they see to be set out on doing it. And they-
0: great call, Al And I got to go for time reasons, but great call. And I, again, let me say my position. I think this is a propaganda campaign, which you don't do propaganda. They're not, they don't care about changing Al Killer's opinion, but they care about swaying public opinion. And part of the idea is that by getting this level of judgment against Alex Jones, they think it hurts his credibility. They're doing it to hurt Alex Jones and to hurt the people who've been presenting the truth about the New World Order for years. So that's what I'll say on that. But 202-521-1320, Ingrid from D.C. Ingrid, thanks for holding. What's on your mind?
7: Okay, uh, great call with Owl Killer. Um, when you mentioned the uh, people who were heckling AOC, I don't know if you noticed that um, his, his uh, uh, identification was he's a supporter of Diane Sayer in New York, and she is the candidate for Senate, Senate backed by the LaRouche organization, and she is on the um its hit list, Ukrainian hit list which is interesting. So um I, I I don't know everybody says look at this list or don't look at this list why it says it's got awful pictures on it. I I can't look at it. I must be going to the wrong place because I get this page that says you don't have access to this. So I'd like to be able to get on there. If you have a link I wish you would tweet it out or something, because so, I would just like to see who's on it. But
0: anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll try to make sure we tweet, put that out on my Twitter later, later today. Now, now, and with a warning.
7: Yeah, with, with Tulsi, I don't understand why there's all these people going, oh, good on Tulsi for joining the Republicans. I don't see any evidence of, of that. She's she's quit. She's quit uh, the Democrats, but she's not joined any other party. And yesterday she got an award from a women's organization here in Washington, an award for um, defending women, which the highlight was that this bill of women's sports being for biological women. And um, on Friday, actually... Friday was Putin's birthday, not Saturday, the day of the Kerch Bridge. And in Chechnya, you know I like to follow Grozny, uh, they had a huge celebration for Putin's birthday. And uh, Kadira doesn't do things halfway. He did his usual thing. He assembled 20,000 soldiers on the plaza in full battle gear and gave a speech. Now, up until now, all his speeches have been decrying Uk- Ukrainian Nazis. But this time, he let off big time with, we're not going to have any of those gender benders coming in here and hanging up rainbow flags in our mosque. It was, I don't know, it's a little bit over the top. And now I notice the, the pep talk they give, because like every week, they send 500 or 1,000 new soldiers to the military operation, and they have someone come out and give a pep talk. And I've noticed they've, they've switched this over to, um, you know, anti-woke stuff as opposed to leading off with anti-Nazi stuff. Just interesting.
0: Yeah, very interesting. And, Ingrid, I need to move on only for time reasons, but great call as usual. Ingrid from D.C., 202 1320 Brave from Atlanta.
8: Growing in the air. Hey, how's it going, Lee? I, I won't take up too much of your time. Um Ingrid and, and Owl Killer are dead on. Actually
0: Brave, let me stop you for one second to try to pimp your work. Is there some place that your art is available for sale online? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so tell people where. Because I was talking to my girlfriend about that and She's very interested. She she wants to see your work. I'm sure a lot of our listeners would like to see your work as well. Where can people find that?
8: I really appreciate that. You can go to uh, artbybrave.com or you can follow me on Instagram at artbybrave or at the well-dressed nerd, whichever will lead to the same thing.
0: Okay, thanks, Brave. So, Gon, what did you call about?
8: I was. I just called to agree with. I just called to agree with uh, with Owl Killer, and, and of course, Ingrid came in and and made more very uh very great points. Um, to to Owl Killer's uh congress to Owl Killer's call. Um, I don't know if you remember Professor uh, Professor uh, was a Professor Griff from uh from um from uh Public Enemy. He was he was yeah. Of, yep. He's one of the guys, He's one of the guys. He's like the he's Griff,
0: like, Griff leader of the S one Ws. By the way.
8: Right, right. He's like that. Uh, he's like the uh, Alex Jones of hip hop, right? And he was talking about this yes. kid, when, and people just looked at him like he was crazy and stuff like that. And I think people get caught up on the um, on the whole conspiracy theory idea behind the Illuminati and whatever name is going by. I don't think the name matters. What, like, like I mean, it matters as far as addressing the group, but I don't think it matters as far as the uh, overall criticism. That anyone receives that that raises the um, the um, the point that you have these secret organizations run by the elite who are running everything, and that that crosses over from our entertainment to our politics to all these different industries that we have. Right now, I think the biggest example of that was when you saw how. um, I guess I guess here, here here recently you're seeing how the CIA is intertwined with all the social media networks, especially Facebook, right? And also, all, all the um, all the information has come out about how the CIA is tied to so much of the Hollywood productions, news productions, and things of that nature. So yeah, I, I think that um, OutKiller was dead on with with, with his point. And uh, even I remember Tupac in a, in a famous interview he did. He brought up that you know in Hollywood they had these crazy, but the same kind of same kind of story that they had these crazy um, these, these crazy um, uh, parties and stuff. And he had a falling out. I think it was Teddy Riley or somebody like that. Because they were trying to um, trying to get him to get into like some uh, a homosexual situation. Nothing against the homosexuals, but that was that was the interview. That was the point that he was making. And um, if you if you don't if you don't get down with these certain groups who who run the, the who run things in like Hollywood and the entertainment industry, then you don't make it anywhere. I mean, obviously that's not. Well, let me say this, uh, Brave. I, I think take it out of a gay
0: context for a second is not controversial to say that when a young woman is an actress let's say some producers or whoever decision makers at studios may want sexual favors from her right that's
8: not controversial at all correct and that's not at all and that crosses over into all of these uh entertainment industries lauren hill has a story like that pink has a story like that obviously in the movies you hear all kinds of stories like it concerning Harvey Weinstein. I remember I remember performing, man, back in the
0: day. Marilyn Monroe has a story like that. And so all these people. So if that's not controversial, why would you think that the same thing wouldn't happen to men sometimes? It's not anti-homosexual. Anyone saying what happened to Lauren Hill is anti-heterosexual. Does that make sense?
8: Oh, right. Exactly. And if i could make one more point um i know you know you have uh, a short amount of time but um I'm not sure, I, I, i've raised the point i've raised the um, the this, this, this show before um uh I know it, I know it's in the podcast with uh adam, adam Curry and john C de they've been talking about um for a long time now they've been talking about this whole uh, to, to the point that uh march was making they've been talking about for a long time that they believe that um this this whole thing with ukraine is not so much about russia i mean obviously they hate Putin, and all this kind of stuff, right? But it's more about um, collapsing the EU, collapsing Germany, and um, and and it kind of ties together because when you look back at the whole F the EU statement way back in the day, it seemed like it was always about collapsing the, collapsing the EU and destroying uh, Germany's Germany's economy. So uh, those are all those are all great points. That was a great segment, and both of us those-
0: and Mark was as Mark was saying that it occurred to me, and you know I'm not a Trump hater, and I think they the subpoenas by the January states committee are gonna be bs and it's dangerous that being said donald trump did not represent a break from that policy donald trump by trying to say to germany and he did say it to germany he didn't just try it by donald trump saying to germany you're too dependent on russian energy And by getting all supporters to agree with it, like Trump's a genius. No, Trump was taking exactly the same position as every president in modern times before him. Saying that Europe should not depend on Russia for energy. So do you see what I'm saying, Brave? Trump supporters should be humble on this point. Trump was wrong. Trump was taking exactly the same wrong position as everybody.
8: Do you agree with that? No, I, I, w- I would agree with you on that. Can I say one more thing? Um, Concerning Ingrid's call on yeah, of course. she's so she's so fire. I'm, I'm all for it, right. Um, uh, the, the point that Ingrid raised why everybody's going so crazy about Tulsi Gabbard because she, she, Ingrid is absolutely right. She never said she was going to join the uh, Republican Party. I mean, yeah, she's hosting shows on Fox, MSNBC, and CNN. Will not have her. But the most important thing I think that stands out there is that. She's making a stance publicly, right? She has a following, and she's leaving the Democratic Party for this fascist war war mongering uh, uh, action they're taking right now, and that's a very bad look for the Democratic Party. That's why all their media of, of shields are coming out, even on the Hill. Uh, who I like, Brianna. I like Brianna Joy. I like I like Brianna, Brianna Joy Gray. Right? She's even on there bashing her, and it's, and it's crazy. You're bashing you're bashing uh, Tulsi Gabbard for standing up and saying I'm not going to be a part of this. But then you're letting these other uh, progressives get away with it. And that's, that's sad. And that's why a lot of us don't identify with the left or the, or the progressive movement anymore, like Kim Iverson said. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. Thank you very much for taking my call.
0: Thanks, Brave. Great call, as usual. Now, do we have our next guest on, by any chance? Okay. So I, I, I wanted to ask—well, uh, let me ask you, Rod. Any other thoughts on what's happened to Alex Jones?
1: Uh, no, I just think Alex was, was you know, he's been the, uh, I guess you say the guinea pig for this whole cancel culture. Because really, cancel culture is it's exactly death. Right. yeah it's, it, it's death. They want you dead. And if Alex Jones, if somebody went after Alex Jones and attacked him and caused his fatal death, you know, they would celebrate it.
0: Now, let's talk about Kanye. Because you saw the headline yesterday, apparently J.P. Chase, J.P. Morgan Chase is telling Kanye take your money back. But did you see that Kanye had attacked J. C. J. P. Morgan Chase a few weeks ago? Did
1: yeah, just, see- I saw that on Twitter. People had uh, brief- reposted those tweets. And, you know, it just goes along with uh, PayPal, uh, ready to fine people 2,500 for putting out disinformation. Well, I guess we can, you know, with uh, the Clinton Foundation and uh, any of these organizations, you you know, we can start raking in that money then, right, Lee?
0: No, exactly right. And what they don't want is independence. They don't want you to have your own opinions. And they don't want you to, God forbid, actually research stuff and repeat what you find. That's what really frightens them. Because Kanye, you know, a lot of people, Trump supporters assume it's about Trump. It's not about Trump. It's about independence because as soon as Trump tried to take an independent position, I'm sure they're still afraid to death that Trump may figure out what's going on with Ukraine and Russia. So far, I think there's no danger of that. The other headline today is that Nicholas Cruz, the person who did the Parkland shooting, he was given life imprisonment. Now again, I'm opposed to the death penalty, partially because I don't like that power in the hands of the state. Does that make sense, Rod? Like I don't want the government, if, if, if anyone thinks the government will apply the death penalty to people like Nicholas Cruz, au contraire, I would say the government is more likely to give the death penalty to Alex Jones than Nicholas Cruz. Does that make sense, Rod?
1: Yeah, I think that would go along with, uh, I don't know if you've seen the headlines, but Canada's uh, going along with this uh, medically assisted uh, euthanasia. So, you know, who's to say um, they can't say, oh, you know, Lee, Lee's not feeling well. We think he's, uh, you know, having some mental problems. So, you know, uh, it, I think, you know, he said he's, it's better if it just ends his life, you know, and obviously you're not saying that. But, you know, someone can say that on your behalf and boom, you're gone. Uh, medically assisted suicide.
0: Yeah, I feel okay. But uh, I'm not considering suicide by any means at all. So, uh, you know, am I okay? I leave that for others to determine. But uh, I really worry about the power of the death penalty in the hands of the government. But it is absurd that Nicholas Cruz, if he was sued by the families, I doubt he would get a $985 million judgment against him. And think about that. Alex Jones may be the poorest person in the country today because he's worth negative $985 million. Does that make sense? No matter how broke I am, I'm worth more than negative $900 million. Does that make sense, Ron?
1: Yeah, I didn't look at it that way, but yeah. But I've also heard that that's not going to... Be applicable. I think that's just like a, a media thing. Like they're not going to be able to get any anything nowhere clear, clear close to any of that.
0: Well, it's a prop. It's a propaganda talking point, and and
1: it, yeah, they're, make, they're making they're making him seem like he's this uber rich uh, media guy. Like, like, come on, that's far from the truth.
0: Yes, no, no, and uh, I support Alex Jones, and I don't think this is a fair judgment in any way, not because of the financials, but because I don't think this is defamation. I don't, the principle, if you applied the same principle to media, anytime media got a story wrong, they would be open to lawsuits. And I'm not in favor of that. Do you think that just getting a story wrong should open you to a lawsuit, Rod? Rod?
1: No, not at all. That that's that's craziness league. Come on.
0: And if it applied to these families, it would apply to a lot of other people, including Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump. But it's an attempt to destroy Alex, but they're not going to be able to destroy him ultimately. Because do you what do you think this verdict did to people who are Alex Jones fans? Do you think it made any of them go, Well, I don't support him anymore? Not me. I did not. And I didn't see anyone say, I used to like Alex until he was awarded this money. Now I don't like him. Are you seeing anyone turn their back on Alex Jones do this jury verdict?
1: No, not not at all, Lee. Um I think uh, people are gonna support him more than ever. Um, you know, the attacks all the way back from 2015 and even before have just made him stronger, info or stronger. And uh, you know, we had a uh, Jen Psaki come out and put out a tweet. And pretty much, you know, she wants Alex Jones depersoned. Like he just wants him off the face of the map.
0: Right. That's why I say I would worry that the government has the power to apply the death penalty. That we might find Nina Gankovich wearing a black hood and standing on the top of a gallows with a rope. I can picture and singing. Mary Poppins, possibly. Back on the Backstory, I am Lee Shanahan, and we are on the radio, one hundred five point five FM, AM thirteen ninety, in Washington D.C. Joining us now, great friend of the show, and a great guest, and a person in the newspaper today, and we'll talk to him about that. The great Todd Nixon. Hey Tyler, how you doing?
9: Bailey, good to be with you. I'm in the newspaper.
0: You're in the Daily Mail, am I?
9: Yes. Here I (laughs) am.
0: I saw you mentioned the Daily Mail story about one of Hunter Biden's attorneys, a guy who's out in California, and he got into a he got into a email conversation with a guy from a group called Marco Polo, which is apparently a right wing group. The paper says. So I don't trust the des- designation anymore. But have you ever
9: heard of Marco Polo? I have not. In fact, I've you did send me the article, and that was the first I'd seen of them. So the Sound, guy fishy. from
0: Marco Polo <laughs> was pretending to be someone on the left, and he talked to Hunter Biden's lawyer, and in it, the conversation, and the Daily Mail prints the conversation, and they mentioned Tyler Nixon, you, and they say that you're a Roger Stone's attorney, and they claim that you're part of the Hunter Biden laptop coming to light. Now, <laughs> I know from knowing you that there's all sorts of incorrect things there. You are an esquire, you are an attorney, but I don't believe you are not officially Roger Stone's attorney. Is that correct?
9: No, I'm I'm his personal counsel. But I don't. I don't. I've never entered an appearance for him uh, before any court, technically. So, but no, I'm I'm his personal counsel for sure. But that's and different. What did you so, have in other do, words,
0: what? And what did you have to do with distributing the Hunter Biden laptop story? Um, absolutely nothing
9: whatsoever. Never laid eyes on it. Never laid eyes on. And I've been. We've been through this before. I mean, it's just. It's just a smear. I have absolutely nothing. But so, I mean, you know, I've never had any contact. I haven't had contact with anything to do with Hunter Biden for probably 10 years. Um, you know, known him, known him growing up. Um, but no, this is just, this is just fantasy. Um, the closest I came, I guess I could say to the, to the whole thing was on, uh, just before election 2020. I was uh, passing through Wilmington, Delaware, my, my hometown. And showing a friend around to you know places where whatever we you know I haunted my my youth, and I said, uh, we were, here we are in Trolley Square, which is a little strip mall, um, right in sort of just up from downtown, where john Paul Mac Isaac had his shop, and I said to myself, eh, you know what, I'm, I'm here in person. Why don't, I'm going to see the shop, and I'm going to actually go thank him." And so I walked up to the back door. Or I should say that it, it was on the back side of this little strip mall, and uh, my friend took a picture of the door and posted it on Instagram, and then I, we walked in and literally there were like I don't know, six or eight people in there, and I got and they all sort of looked over. It's a little tiny like you know sort of a reception area, and I, I got cold feet and just walked back out. <laughs> I didn't want to like I didn't I didn't feel comfortable bringing up the issue like in front of all these strangers you know because and i didn't really i didn't even know what he looked like until i guess probably later when he did interviews so i didn't know who he exactly was amongst the people and that was it that's that's i've never still to this day never other than that i don't even know if that was necessarily him and the receptionary laid eyes on him spoken to him and i've never laid eyes on or spoken to uh or or i should say handled anything anything involving hunter biden of a a proprietary or personal nature um everything i know about it was from whatever the reporting is so now i thought i considered actually sending a cease and desist to uh to this this attorney but you know i figure let's see how far he takes it
0: and i gotta say the daily mails their headline is that biden's attorney this guy he apparently called the guy he said you're gonna go to prison for apparently saying a fake name, and he said you're going to be a butt boy, and him saying that was the focus of the data Mail story. But yeah, I think yeah. smearing you is is a big story that they've been kind of buried. What do you think?
9: I think so. I didn't. I didn't. I, didn't, I, I sort of skimmed the, the initial when you sent it. Um, obviously, I've been a little a little bit busy today. With uh, well, the last couple days, just helping Roger prepare his uh, his statement, which was uh, which has just been issued concerning this uh, you know this witch hunt.
0: Yes, and and and, uh, let me ask you. Let's deal with some of the headlines. First off, let's take the Alex Jones thing. (sighs) What do you think of Alex Jones getting a judgment of nearly a billion dollars? I do not know enough about legal history. That seems like an outrageously high se- judgment. I can't think of any individual person getting like a b- billion-dollar judgment against them. Am I missing a lot of judgments, Tyler?
9: No, you're not. This is this is uh, this is the derailing of our justice system, just as they've done with uh, every other pro- every other process. Um, you know, whether it's abusing the courts to. Uh, do show trials as we've seen and you know speaking of roger stone um it, whether we've seen it uh just i mean you know everything and there's no there's no institution that won't be abused uh for political retribution against selected targets and this is just this is i mean it's it shocks the conscience a billion or you know, 900 whatever it is 9.67 plus as norm Pattis, who did you know yeoman's work i mean absolutely did the best he could under the circumstances noted that the the attorney's fee application from these ambulance chasing leftist Democrat um, uh, uh, sort of mercenaries could be upwards of 40% of that recovery. So it could end up being more close to 1.4 billion. And then the judge herself has options after that to add on anything she wants. So no, this is just, I mean, this is, um, it's insanity. It, it really shows you that the it, juries um, there's, there, you know, there's people out there who just don't take our, their civic, uh, uh, their civic role seriously. Who just think that, you know, when they get on a jury, and if they have some axe to grind, they, they'll just, they'll just do whatever. I mean, I, that, this was the case, I, I think, in, in Roger Stone's trial. I don't think he had a chance at a fair trial with that jury, and I don't think anybody in, frankly, uh, the District of Columbia has a chance who's not, who's not a Democrat. And a, and a hardcore leftist Democrat has a chance at a fair trial, and it's sad I mean if we don't have impartial juries anymore and judges are allowing this or in the case of Alex Jones's case, the judge is participating in it, what do we have left i mean this is this is the stuff that sparks frankly rebellions and revolutions where there are no there is no option for uh, justice anymore where people do not have recourse who who are being targeted and then, and then you have the judiciary being subjugated or um, you know basically put subordinate to not just the political system but the particular part a particular partisan bent where it becomes a weapon i mean the weaponization of the judiciary judiciary is, is absolutely one of the last stops on the way to absolute totalitarian tyranny
2: and this and, is a perfect power-
9: example of it
0: you know, I love having you on the show, and we love you, and the audience loves you because you're a fierce advocate for liberty, but also because you're a loyal and honest person. So let me set you up with a topic and allow you to wax philosophical, okay? The yes, topic that's very is, kind
9: of you to say, though. I appreciate that.
0: And the topic is why is it important for people to be loyal? to alex jones or roger stone i'm not talking personally i'm talking about the issues they're fighting for and i think it's an act of bravery even to go up on social media and say you know what i support roger stone i support alex jones do you have any feelings on why that's an important stand for people to take right now
9: absolutely i mean well you know those who forget history are doomed to repeat it As uh, Santa said, and look, I mean, it's anybody who studied this history just of the 20th century and how people were subjugated and tyrannized and liquidated and all the horrors that were visited on humanity by, uh, you know, these these authoritarian regimes by these uh, absolutely megalomaniacal psychopaths who I see manifesting now in the place where it you know it many of us have heard it before you know it can happen here and you know those who thought it couldn't just take a look and it's coming to life and because as much as i uh you know want um to see others free you know to defend the rights of others is to, to as much defend yourself um and to and those you love and those you care about because again it's, it's as uh the um martin uh niemuller uh the uh, the uh german cleric who who basically said you know first they came for the trade unions and so forth if you don't defend the rights of others you're you're, you're not defending your own rights and your own uh, uh freedoms and and this is so important and frankly if you i mean once you've abandoned principle or you've thrown somebody to the winds of uh political expediency it's all over because the the, the ruthless determinist uh um megalomaniacal authoritarians they they don't waver from their objective to to you know these are control freaks and psychopaths and any weakness any yield is just going to be mean to them it's them's capitulation it gives them the maneuvering room to run circles around you and then circle you essentially so you know if we don't stand up now for those who are being persecuted and subjugated just, just count on count on your being next or being silenced forever, uh, and shackled, and muzzled, and never again having the ability to speak out, uh, whether out of conscience or to defend yourself or defend anybody else. And this is just—I mean, this this is where the you know all the stakes are out. This is this is all the stakes because once we've lost these, the ability to speak out, the ability to uh, be heard in in before an impartial try or of fact in a court, you know, in a in a fair process. To have that due process, to have the rights, um, to be heard, and to have that uh, you know equal justice before law, these are equal protection of the law. These, I mean, these are, this is the essence of freedom. So if people want to be slaves, that's fine. Go and volunteer to be a slave, but don't volunteer the rest of us, and don't expect us to go quietly.
0: Now, so that quote about those who don't learn from history are condemned to repeat it. Who did you say it was by? Santayana. Yes, you're like by York him Santana. Is Black Magic Woman. Did you like Black Magic uh, Woman by him? Uh,
9: I think you're talking about see, Santana.
0: <laughs> oh, oh. See, that was
9: my joke. Carlos pretend Santana. It's occasionally yeah, it's I pretend to be stupid. You're you're you you and nothing you're nothing nothing of the sort, Lee and you know it, but that's very clever.
0: <laughs> so, yeah.
9: so Carlos Sant- Carlos Santana. <laughs> yes, that's
0: exactly right. And by the way, how is Roger?
9: Um, you know, I, I actually haven't. I mean, I've, I've emailed back and forth with him. I think Roger gets in sort of warrior mode at these times. Um, I think he's resolved. Uh, you know, I think once you've been through the crucible that he was put through with, uh, in Washington and his his uh, show trial, his his persecution, um, he's sort of he's seasoned. I guess you know, it's it's kind of like it, it's frustrating. Uh, it gets in the way of, and as I as I said before, I'm sure Roger Stone and I. And those working around him would rather be working towards the, uh, you know, the rising emerging grassroots movement across this nation to absolutely annihilate the psychopathological Democrat uh, grip on uh, the congressional majority at this point and And to, to finally put these people back in their place and to have some level of justice return and, and uh, you know, comity and parity um, and just finally begin to have the ability to move away from this this just lawless, crazy, um, dystopian nightmare that these people would have us living through because they're just absolutely so, – um, it's it's sick. They're sick people.
0: So you can tell Roger I said hi. And absolutely. we would love to have him on a show sometime soon if he wants to come on with you. But tell Roger either way I said hi and he'll be sure. Sure,
9: well. absolutely. And, yeah, we'll let the and, dust settle uh, that on this. And then – I also let Tucker right. know uh, that you're a you know, huge uh, an admir- admirer and that you you know how much respect you have for him and so forth. And uh, um, he, didn't, he didn't directly respond. But then again, his time is obviously very, very precious. So, um,
3: yes, But uh, he did I find out, though. That, so though.
9: check this out. He did respond that um, he's been invited to ride with the Angels to Sturgis next year.
0: That's and I would go go out because Sturgis is only about five hours from me.
9: Yeah, I I would consider that myself. Join 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 yes. with you. That'd be amazing. But uh, now, I told him I said you know you're you're a unique figure in in our current day, you know comparable yes. to only Jerry Garcia. Very few non Angels get invited to those events and are accepted, obviously.
0: Yes, and Sturgis is obviously a big deal in South Dakota, and. uh So friends of mine who are bikers come out for Sturgis every year. They drive up from Southern California to Sturgis, South Dakota. Takes them a couple days, but they always have fun here. So speaking of Tucker, Tulsi Gabbard quit the Democratic Party. Now, I wasn't surprised, but I'm glad. Let's play a clip of Tulsi explaining why on Tucker Carlson last night, and then get your comments on it. Tyler Nixon, let's play the clip. Hit it. Thank you so much uh, for coming on <laughs> that was quite
10: a statement. I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, I, I, you know, we have Republicans on the show from time to time, they don't put it as clearly and bravely as you do. So how do you feel? I mean, you've been in this party a long time, you were its future, you left. I mean, this has got to be kind of a fraught moment for you.
2: You know, Tucker, as you know, I've always been an independent-minded person. A Democrat, yes, but an independent Democrat. And my loyalties are very clear love our country, and I took an oath, both as a service member, as a soldier, as well as, as a member of Congress, to support and defend the Constitution, and that's an oath that I take extremely seriously, and so when you look at this party, the, the today's Democratic Party, it's controlled by fanatical ideologues who hate freedom, they despise yes. the Constitution, they actively find ways to undermine our God-given rights enshrined in the Constitution, like freedom of speech. If you say something and I say something that they don't like, instead of saying, you know what, agree to disagree, live and let live in the traditional liberalist kind of way, no, that's not good enough. They will do all that they can to destroy you, silence you, smear you, work with big tech, work with corporate media to actively destroy anyone who dares to even question Their agenda. They are against freedom of religion. They are hostile towards people of faith, people who have their own spiritual practice, especially Christians, finding ways to uh, be vindictive, to discriminate, to punish people who happen to exercise that freedom of religion. The list goes on and on, but the foundation of freedom is really what was at the heart of my making this decision that I cannot be a member of a party that is against freedom and actively trying to undermine it.
10: Well, it was inspiring to hear that, but also disappointing. I mean, I feel like printing out your words and asking every Republican candidate who comes on this show to read them. And if you can't read them, I'm not voting for you. Right? I mean, why is it so hard yeah. to say out loud? First of all, the people who are always talking about racism or committing it. Why is that so hard for people to acknowledge
2: it's so obvious? It, it speaks to the whole environment of fear that those in power, these elitists in power have fomented to where people are afraid to speak the truth. They're afraid to exercise their right to free speech because, hey, you might lose your job. You might be canceled. You might be trashed. And God forbid in Washington, you might not be invited to the cool kids parties. You might not be as popular. And, and this is really what it comes comes down to is rather than taking a stand for peace, for prosperity, security, and freedom of the American people, we have too many people in Washington who are warmongers, subservient to the military industrial complex, and continuing to put their own selfish interests or the interests of their donors first, with no mind for the cost and consequence that their decisions have on the American people. This is exactly what we're seeing right now with President Biden and leaders in Congress whose decisions are actively pushing us to the brink of a nuclear holocaust, of which they may have their bunkers where they'll be safe, but we, the American people, will have no shelter, no place to go, uh, no place to hide and face the consequences that could destroy all of humanity in the world as we know it. You were the first person
10: I heard say that back in February when this all started. I, I believed you. Why you I ran for it, president? Well, it turns out you were absolutely. right. Really quick, since you did serve for so many years in the Congress in the party you just left, you know everybody, of course. Has anyone called you today, your former colleagues, Democrats, to say anything to you?
2: Uh, one, one got in touch with me and sent me a text message with three thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to know who that is, but I, I'm glad <laughs> you're influencing people.
0: Now, Tyler, I would suspect if we were to sit down and talk to Tulsi Gabbard, we would disagree with her on issues like abortion and health care. Do you agree with me? And do you care? Because I don't care. Because I would rather debate the issues than silence her. But what do you think what Tulsi said there? And in general, what I said, <laughs> Tyler? Tyler?
9: Sure, Uh, you know I've always wondered, uh, having heard her speak. Particularly, uh, you know, she she's like a Ron Paul Democrat almost. And I've always wondered, what are you doing in the the Democrat Party? There's no place for you. I mean, it's absolutely been purged of anybody with any reasonable uh, viewpoints on uh, you know international international affairs. Whether we should be interventionist, uh, you know, militarists, or whether I I mean, and that's you know, to me, that's like that's such a litmus issue. As to whether you support uh, our our country being the either the policeman of the world or in you know just sort of this international bully, pushing around our military weight wherever we feel like it uh, and stirring up trouble, frankly wherever it suits us or it suits the uh, you know it suits the cabal that uh, that has seems seemed to have a grip on our uh, national security and military establishment for the last. Since Ike basically warned us, I guess, in his uh, military industrial establishment uh, farewell address. And, you know, Tulsi, the only issue I've seen with her that I differ upon, and I understand there's been a change with her, has, has been with, with regard to gun control. Um, other than that, though, I mean, you know, her defense of Assange and her her criticisms of uh, the deep state and the machinations of these these uh, that ilk have been just on point. Absolutely. Uh, every step of the way, and she's been courageous. And certainly, the fact that she's been made a target of the Dragon Lady herself, Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, puts her at the top of my list of solid people. So I'm, I, and I don't, and I think it's smart of her not to just rush to the Republican Party. Um, although I'm obviously a lifelong member of the Republican Party, and will remain so. I will never abandon it to uh, the 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 Bush ilk and and other sort of trash Rhino types. would sell us down the river who were democrats uh, really uh, in in republican clothing and uh, she's welcome to join us
0: let me ask you tyler if tulsi could single-handedly take over the libertarian party and become a leader in the libertarians would you consider that a good move possibly for dulcie
9: i think it'd be good for the libertarian party i don't think it'd be good for her necessarily but i mean you know because as you know I'm sure, having dealt with the Libertarian Party, um, you know these these are these are rugged. These are many many individualists, so individualistic that that they squabble amongst each other and can never agree upon anything, um, and end up shooting themselves, you know, in the foot. It becomes a, you know a, a circular firing squad. So, which is you know it's almost comical, really. But I think it would she would definitely breathe life into that institution, um, which was you know founded the same year I was born. And I think um, has always been an institution that has pushed, uh, pushed the envelope in terms of um, holding politicians accountable, being a presence in electoral politics that's pushed for I agree. liberty above and all. I think
0: the one thing it would give her is ballot access. The libertarians yes. have ballot access, and that's a big deal. Do you agree?
9: Yeah, I think so. And if they were pragmatic and smart about it, they would absolutely embrace her and then try to, you know, woo her into the party and tell her, "We will put you on the ballot." The problem that I have, though, is that, well, I guess a lot of the, there are a number of libertarian registered libertarians who vote Republican, and uh, you know, that that would be bad if we drew away from them and, and, we're and gave out the of time Democrats.
0: Power, fantastic yep. appearance as usual. Thanks so much for the great appearance, and thanks to Wyatt Reed and Mark Balder for being with us in the first hour. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the show that supports liberty and the truth. I'm Lee Stranahan, and this is The Backstory.